Hello and welcome to you, the CDO Magazine interview series. I'm Derek Strauss and I have the pleasure of talking with Dr. Sue Tripathi. Sue's from uh, IBM. She's the partner in uh, data and tech data technology transformation, but she's also an industry thought leader. And uh, we've been drawing a lot from her background as an industry thought leader in these discussions. This is part three, segment three in our interview. And we've been talking about customer experience, personalization, and now we're moving into the area of hyper-personalization and the age of artificial intelligence. So uh, in the previous uh, segments, we talked through data product model and the modern day architecture. And to our audience, if you haven't picked up on those Go back and, and check them out as well. There's some good stuff there. Uh, but here we are, segment three. We're into the home stretch, but here's where it gets really, really exciting. <laughs> We're in the days of generative AI. And of course, everyone's talking about it, what it can do, what it can't do. And there's huge amount of hype around it. As a CDO, Sue, how, how much should I invest in generative AI, and, and is it all Well, that's a million dollar question that say, be very adaptive, but also be very cautious because the pros and cons to everything. So in today's day and age, everybody wants to talk about generative AI and they want to talk about chat GBT. And why do they want to do that? For the simple reason that one, it's all about speed. Um, it's actually less about accuracy because there's no way yet to say whether what um, I, I say Derek said actually is what Derek said. Th that, that is a con about chat GPT. If you listen to the news, you will find uh, news anchors literally you know, to the audience where they said something, they used chat GPT and chat GPT then very beautifully condensed it, summarized it, collated it and presented it. But there were things that were also there that were not said by the news anchor that were added to it. This is a very concrete example of how it is a pro, but then it's also a con. So trustworthiness is at the core of it, not just quality, but trustworthiness. But before I begin with the pros and cons of it, I think one of the key things is we talked about hyper-personalization. We talked about personalization, we are already there. I think hyper-personalization is when you're tailoring all aspects of your digital interactions with the customer and you're getting, you know, information about the customer, putting that in context. And now you're very, you're taking again, those microcosms. So it's based on customer wants. Think about it this way. In the initial conversation, when we are talking about data as a product, we began by looking at what is data as a product? It's your sets of data that may, that is based on customer needs, right? So generative AI is also based on customer wants. Right, So it's not taking an a priori model. It's not trying to put logic. It's not giving you a menu of things, which is where we typically have been. Now it's saying, I'm going to discern and decipher based on what I know about this consumer or this customer, what the customer wants. This is 
And how do I know that? It's through text, generative AI uses text, uses speech, uses images, et cetera, et cetera. You can collect data from all of that. So it builds on that current context and triggers the system. And so there's no conventional software, you know, as, as we know it. So the whole thing is not just about speed, it's actually a change, a paradigm change, a shift in how we think. It changes how we interact, what we expect, and it democratizes data and information in a way that we haven't seen before. It And the most critical aspect of that is code creation. So creation of code that automates actions. And this is where the speed comes in. What could have taken three hours is now going to take three seconds, right? But you, and we can pull data from disparate sources. We can centralize it into one. I think I talked about it in the um, second one in modern day architecture into a central repository, standardizing the, your data, pulling proprietary data as well as uh, public data, and then creating a rules layer, you know, targeting your parameters based on what your customer needs are and using AI to optimize that. So you're building also an ecosystem of partnerships. Now, having said all of that, those are all pros. Those are beautiful things that I think we are currently seeing in the value of what uh, generative AI can do. But what are the cons? I trust, I, I began very briefly about trustworthiness. I talked about quality. It's not necessarily cost-effective. It's also not necessarily going to build your brand of loyalty, which is what we talked about chief marketing officers before and bringing them along this journey, because we said one of the core tenets of this is a building on customer experience, improving that customer experience. It doesn't talk about fairness. It doesn't, um, it, it does, it begs the question of whether my data is secure, privacy issues, uh, protection of my data, copyright, et cetera, et cetera. Until and unless I know on, on the one hand, the pro is that it simplifies the information, it personalizes it, hyper-personalizes it, it democratizes it. On the other hand, I have all these issues. So I have to balance it out as a CDO to a CDO, I would say balance it out to think about where is it appropriate to use chat GPT and what is the impact of that to your business? Because simple routine tasks, for example, can benefit greatly from chat GPT. Anything that's very complex in nature, I would be a little hesitant in saying that I'm going to use chat GPT, not until I have some certain laws, ethics, issues around fairness, privacy, security addressed. I just take a, a, a sliver of my business and I'd say this is where I think it's most appropriate because it will still get me to my revenues and in fact, in fact three times more because it's, get, it's going to get to that speed without compromising trust, without compromising loyalty, without compromising my quality, without compromising my security and privacy, which is the core of any business. It doesn't matter whether you're government, non-government, or whether you're on the commercial side, it doesn't matter which part of the world you're in. And so I want to just uh, bring this together by saying we began the journey, the narrative here really is think about data first as an asset. At a very minimum, data is an asset for you trying to monetize that, trying, and it's more than just monetizing it. View data, a set of data as, as a product. From that there, the whole purpose is how do I meet my client needs, my customer needs? So how do I personalize it? What kinds of architecture do I need to have? What is my modern day architecture going to 
look like? How can I take real-time data and put it in context? And then how do I hyper-personalize it using generative AI as an enabler, as a tool that will help me get to speed, even improve accuracy at, without compromising my quality or my security or my privacy issues? Well said, well said. Yeah, it, it's definitely that journey that we're starting to see that becomes the most uh, the most critical thing for the for the chief data officer to understand the journey. Because mm -hmm. I think a lot of uh, chief data officers have been making a fairly good attempt to get their hands around personalization. And they've done it in a way that they have not compromised uh, you know, the trustworthiness of the organization. But as you rightly pointed out, there's a big risk. There's a big risk as you move into hyper, you know, hyper personalization and using generative AI, that if you don't have a lot of other stuff in, uh, you know, clear focus and properly uh, dealt with by various constituents within the organization, who would ensure that as you step into it, you are going to be doing it in a way that's not going to compromise all the good work you've done in personalization. You know, there's that there's that risk that you can you can lose it all again. Yes, all that good work that you've done. It, exactly, and I will say this, and there's a latest article actually I was reading, and I I read voraciously as you know, and I think it was Harvard Business Review or Forbes Council, one of them, and it said what authorities do CDAOs or CDOs truly have, right? And are they in alignment? Are all the C-level people in alignment? So the first question to ask is, is the business uh, and the people who are at the helm of the business, are they in alignment? And do they have the right tool sets, the right authorities, the right resources, et cetera, et cetera, the right budgets to then discern, you know, which aspects of this would benefit most where you're viewing data as a product, whether where you're really going to personalize it, where you're really going to create code and automate certain things. You know, this is very, very important so that you're not working in silos. You said it so beautifully earlier where you said immediately, hey, it's about the customer journey. Let's bring the uh, chief marketing officer along. The reality is every single individual and every single organization, no matter where they are, needs to think about two basic clientele, your internal clients and your external clients. You and I work together, suppose you are an internal client to me because you may be in a different business group, but I need to make sure that what whatever your customer needs are, that you are trying to address, that I, as a cog in that wheel, am able to give you the information that you need in order to make that business happen, to, to deliver value to the client, to client value optimization. So these are big buzzwords nowadays that we use. If you can simplify it, which is where generative AI could actually come and help us as well, is that what does this really mean operationally, internally, as well as to the client? I think that's one. The people side of it, in as much as I'd like to say it's data, it's technology, people can be both um, barriers and detrimental to the business, as well as they could be huge assets where they are not only beneficiaries to the client, but they, you yourself, could help in that journey. So the lens is very important. This journey is very important, but you shouldn't be the only voice trying to pull this. You need to have influencers within the organization 
who see the value with you, bring them along with you so that they become your change agents, your stewards, your um, uh, mouthpieces in a way to say, this is for the larger good of the business, for the client, for, you know, for everybody within that ecosystem, it makes sense to partner both internally and externally. And I think that is easier said than done and therefore taking just bits and pieces of that sliver and mm. just addressing pilot, testing it, seeing it, instead of taking the whole enchilada, just take one piece of it, see if it works and then scale it. That would be one of the things that I think I have benefited from working across the board with various people in various different organizations, in various different agencies, as well as in different countries. So you need to also put cultural uh, context um, uh, in the mix, which I didn't actually, uh, but but obviously that's very much part of it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I'm glad you added that because, uh, you know, the, the, the role of the chief data officer and anyone who's leading analytics or, or data in an organization they have to be really tuned into organizational cultural issues and global differences across the globe. Um, and that aspect of looking for allies, looking for people who are ready to change and want to change and yes. will encourage it yeah. uh, is so critical. The whole organizational change management thing, yes. I yes. think is a big deal that, that one needs to take into account, especially now as we're stepping into this new age, <clears throat> excuse me, the new age of generative AI. So, uh, Yes, and I, I will say as a change management practitioner certified in it for 29 years, I think one has to think about uh, near-term near value, long-term value, medium-term value. This is very much part for those who've been in quality management or lean management or change management, especially if you've been an evaluator. Mm -hmm. uh, a certified evaluator, you 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 are not going to get to the outcomes that you want to. So you have to be very crystal clear. What is the near term, mid term, long term, and then where do I deploy? You know, and yep. what tools do I apply? And that's that. I think requires a lot of alignment, as you said, with the with the partnerships within that ecosystem. Fantastic, Sue. I think you and I could go on for hours on that <laughs> particular topic because that's one of my passions as well. But it's been great talking to you. And thank you so much for sharing your insights and experience with, with our audience. Yeah, well, uh, thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Thank you. Great. All right. Well, uh, to our audience, uh, remember, if you only caught segment three, there's you got to go back, man. you got to see segment one, segment two. Otherwise, you don't get the full picture. And, uh, and there's some good stuff there too. So um, thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, Sue Tripathi, for, for joining me today. And, uh, and to the audience, please go ahead and visit cdomagazine.tech for more additional interviews. Thank you. Thank you, Derek. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks.